welcome to Punk Podcast. Podcast. And on this episode, we have special guest Octavia of Uneducated, the series that is premiering January 27th. Yes. Um, and you, well, we'll give you some details later on, but we're going to start off with our hot topics. Yeah. So we have some really cool topics that we're going to discuss. We wanted to start off with just the remaking of really popular movies. For example, Coming to America, Bad Boys 3, and Cleopatra. It's been said that they'll be making another version of these once again. And we just wanted to know how you feel about that trend that happens throughout the industry. Uh, So first and foremost, I am a writer and I read a lot. I feel the same way about remakes or giving sequels to projects as I feel about books being turned into movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, If there's a market for it or there are people who want it, uh, producers especially, that are trying to do their work, these are projects they pick up. Coming to America was so essential to the black community as a piece. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not just a group of people saying, oh, let's just do this for the opportunity to make more money, but this is something black Americans love. And as we are redefining ourselves and our self-worth and our love, perhaps they just have considered it's time to continue growing us with something that we've loved before. Mm. Um, And so I'm not always warm about it. I'm not always eager to see a sequel that I never asked for. But that's been the response of some, like some people have been like, no one asks for this or, you know, because they are big budget films. Right. So it's understandable that there's some pushback. But like you said, like, you know, it's not just random. There, there is definitely people that, that do want it and that are excited about it. So I agree with you. I will be seeing bad boys. I didn't ask for it, but then it's one of those things that you didn't know you needed, and then it's coming up. You're like, oh, this is great. Right. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. Okay. So our next hot topic would be just things to consider when it comes to interracial. Well, what are some things to consider and interracial relationships on TV and film. As a person uh, that has only been in one relationship in my life, and that was an interracial relationship, uh, I think TV and film should do its best to more accurately reflect uh, present-day society, media, and values as art is life. And good art accurately represents its society. Um, And so... In just the terms of exploring interracial dating in media, I think everyone involved should make the conscious effort to acknowledge their differences and bring that to the table. I think uh, especially going in maybe with only your understanding is just a formula for failure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that applies to all relationships. You can't only maintain your perspective. You are emotionally mentally, physically combining with another person, you've chosen to make it a relationship, and if it's a romantic one, uh, it's one that will develop into something else, potentially life partners. And again, uh, being in my, being in a relationship like that, um, that person and I, though it took time, 
acknowledge that there were differences. Yeah. Um, go ahead, please. I'm sorry. No, I was saying I, I think that's so important. And I definitely appreciate that it's something that, like, you know, slowly but surely is being introduced more in the TV film realm because, you know, it, it's important to actually not just romanticize it because that that's what's going to look good, but actually, like, talking about the issues. Like, I think... Um, recently a big thing was Michelle Williams and her did you see that right thing? yeah, yeah. partner that was kind of insensitive to her mental health yeah did he express that um I think they had a reality show um, or that was coming out and it was um it was like a thing like I think he said something like she said something like um you wouldn't understand because you're not black and or something like that and he was like why are you making this a race thing like right. you like are always like doing like something like that like just mm-hmm. basically dismissing uh-huh. it i mean they recently like i think they called off their engagement because they were engaged but wow. it was like a really big thing and you know i was like i'm glad that people are talking about it because mm-hmm. like that that happens a lot people like got like to gaslight um because i've also been in an interracial relationship and i think like a lot of times or just like friendships sometimes too people that people can try to minimize your feelings and your feelings are important so talking about those things in tv and film and like you said reflecting life like that's it's important and I think it helps to even encourage healthy conversations and healthy relationships. Agreed. Uh, in writing my piece, uh, Uneducated, mm-hmm. uh, again, as a person that's dated outside of her race, and this series follows a budding interracial relationship and a number of relationships that are not only black ones, um, I do think it's important to take into consideration just that people have differences. Yeah. There are so many nuances to adulthood. Uh, I think... Just a number of things suffer from not being aware of other things, right? White America will always continue to suffer and fail from be by choosing ignorance to people of color. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Now we're not going to wait for you to acknowledge us. Now we're consciously working against your misnomers and we'll represent ourselves. And just things like that. Or even uh, you live in Queens, which has a large Asian population as well as black and West Indian black uh, and what I've seen a lot of is groups of people of different races being pitted against each other. But all we have to do is acknowledge that we are different in this respect, but we are all immigrants to this country. We are all bringing different cultures and sources and ways of doing things. And we, we share one life, right? We're all here at the same time. I'm sure we all love the same jerk place for chicken. I'm sure we all like the same Chinese place for vegetable fried rice uh, and you find out more and more how similar you are despite those differences but if you do both if you choose to acknowledge these differences Mm -hmm. the nuance of your relationship and if you choose to identify with things that you have in common we both like this subject matter we both like this book we both love Viola Davis uh, I think it's uh, a healthy relationship that can come from that definitely we're more alike than we are unalike correct Mm -hmm. And so that's it for our hot topics, which are very interesting. And our first question is just, we wanted to ask you a little bit about your background and what it was like growing up in Brooklyn, New York. I 
admit, as a teenager, I didn't love Brooklyn. And I didn't love Brooklyn uh, because I was just in one part, which was only just one group of people. Uh, and I don't know if I get this from my mother. I don't know if I get it from uh, a family member that I love very dearly that's well-traveled and has many experiences. But I didn't want to just experience the same thing. So for high school, I went to school at 14th Street, uh, Washington Irving, which has now been closed down, unfortunately, uh, though it wasn't a great place. <laughs> and I got to experience people of different cultures, different groups, and so many things. Manhattan is such a, a big bubble of various things, various spaces, uh, millions of opportunities in arts, in culture, in food. Um, that I felt growing up in Carnarcy especially, I wasn't experiencing. Mm. So uh, I grew to love Brooklyn in my adulthood, one, for the convenience. It's nice to be able to work in your borough. It takes 40 minutes to get to work instead of an hour and a half. Mm. Um, but also I have a new appreciation for myself, myself as a black person, myself as a black female, uh, and going back to my old neighborhoods and seeing the very, very dynamic uh, and resourceful men and women that own their own restaurants, whether or not they're, you know, Michelin-rated star restaurants, they are still running uh, things that they've started in their own kitchen and then turned into a fully functional business, places that we frequent and we support constantly. Um, just across the street from me is a restaurant called Caribbean Vibes in Brooklyn. It's really popular. There's always a line right out the door. Mm. Uh, and their service is not the greatest, but the food, <laughs> I promise you, is worth the wait. And I, I got the opportunity to get some B-roll uh, in that very small, narrow restaurant, and it makes me so happy mm -hmm. to see Oxdale being shot and put on a big screen later. Mm -hmm. And just uh, a new respect for who my mother is, uh, a person I love and appreciate that made the best that she could as a single parent with only her sisters in a new country to raise two children on her own. And I was raised in Brooklyn. It's it's so much of not just my home, but of a home that I want to create for other people. It's a place I want to invite everyone to, to not only experience uh, these people of color doing this thing that they're very good at, whether it be hair or cooking or opening up their own tiny shoe boutiques. There are so many small dress boutiques on Church Avenue, on Nostrand Avenue, on Flatbush Avenue uh, that are, are being phased out due to unfortunate things like gentrification. Um, but these people made whole lives here running mm -hmm. these businesses. And I, in Uneducated, I hope very much uh, before it's too late to acknowledge them. Right. to give them a highlight, to give them a spotlight, and say, hey, your work matters, even if it's not in a big Hollywood premiere. Uh, a fellow Brooklynite is saying, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being in this moment. Uh, thank you for being part of this community. Mm -hmm. And I do, you know, I still go downtown Brooklyn. I still have my fun, go to whatever new pub is open or whatever it is. Uh, saw Bruno Mars at Barclays. And those things are also interesting and good in their own spaces in their own respect. Um, I just wish they would come at a, a rate that wasn't committed to removing the people mm -hmm. that lived in that neighborhood. Yeah. That that part alone uh, is just very sad for me. Mm -hmm.
Definitely. So I think it's really cool that you're taking the time to put all of those people who are influential in the community because I feel like the love is, there's a lot of love in Brooklyn is what I was going to say. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I perform a lot in Brooklyn and I have like a good amount of friends in Brooklyn and whenever I'm there, it's just the energy is so pure. So I can like just sense the love that you have for wanting to to share that passion that so many people in the community have to provide for themselves and everyone else around them. So I think that's amazing and I think it's going to be beautiful. Thank you. And I... My next question for you is just based on when it came to the production side, how is it managing different hats from writing and directing, directing as well? I did not direct Uneducated. Okay. Uh, so roughly about this time last year, I departed from the place I was fully employed at uh, as it just wasn't a good fit. Mm. Uh, and we had a family crisis, and my aunt, who I love very dearly, got a stroke. And we were thrown up into such a storm because she's probably one of the most humble, quiet, and reserved people ever a person could ever come across. And she's the best cook in our family, mm -hmm. right? She's my oldest aunt, and therefore uh, her five, six siblings were raised by her. And so very much a second mother for all of us, including her sisters. Um, but my aunt enjoys all the cultures, especially East Asian cultures. She is a big Korean drama fan. So she had this stroke and she's in ICU and I was talking to her uh, and she won't remember this, but I was telling her that I really, really wanted to produce this project because I promised that I would write a very attractive Asian male character that she could fawn over <laughs> and if I, I was like, Auntie Chris, if I'm here worrying about you and freaking out, I can't do that. And so I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And immediately after that, uh, I put up a Craigslist post um, seeking director, seeking crew mm -hmm. for things that I didn't have the expertise doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and then a separate post for actors. And I don't know whether or not you young ladies are Christian or even if our listeners are. Uh, but I do believe the universe does follow energy. Uh, as a Christian person, as I get more in tune with my spirituality, uh, and I think because I put that energy out to the universe that this was something I was going to work on and be committed to, mm -hmm. I think it, it rewarded me and gave me those resources. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my director is a person who contacted me and it kind of vanished for a little bit and I freaked out. But I was so interested in his work and his commitment to filming people of color and making sure that the lighting and the way they appeared on film actually honored their complexions. It didn't matter how many other directors I came into contact with or producers, this was the person I wanted uh, because he was aware of the differences and still chose to highlight them instead of find a way around them or, mm -hmm. or have them adhere to a standard only for whiteness. Um, his name is Mark, Mark Queen. He's wonderful. <laughs> um, and has a very interesting LinkedIn profile as he is uh, six feet plus tall, uh, Mexican biracial. So he appears very white in features, but owns being Mexican so much, which I appreciate, uh, and owns 
kind of being between being a man of color and being a man that appears as a white man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through him, we uh, are his business partner, uh, Artur Barista, I believe you say his last name, uh, Barista, uh, who was a, a wealth of information and sources, and they're freelancers who had more experience and took their time with me in starting it. And so we started in April. Uh, we're f- was very fortunate to have uh, Caitlin Tyson, who's currently Miss Cayman Islands Universe, walk into audition. She wasn't a person I contacted, and I tried my best to find a particular woman to represent this main character and to illustrate her. Uh, she's beautiful, by the way. She is. She's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's in fact the beauty pageant queen. It makes sense. <laughs> um, but after that audition, which was perfect and you're not supposed to tell people in auditions whether or not you get the part. Uh, and I think Mark took great lead there to just ask her her availability. Mm-hmm. Um, but as she left, he said, that's, he's like, that's, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. that's the girl. She has such, such a, such grace mm-hmm. and such poise. And I was like, she is more than I could have asked for. I wanted just someone that was interested in acting. I got a person that was committed to putting themselves in the universe learning more, being a part of something that was growing. Um, and then it just kept going that way. I kept sharing the news online. Hey, I'm producing something. I'm putting together my own team. If you have these expertise, these skills, please come join me. We'll learn together. Uh, a peer I went to college with contacted me about wardrobe. The day I went to meet Mark, uh, and Artur for the first time. I was early, so I went to Sephora in the meatpacking district. I told the young man who sold me a bottle of Fenty what I was doing. He came on as our key makeup artist. He was like, I love your idea. Aww. I'm just gonna, he's like, I, I wanna be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Andreas and he is wonderful. And just everything I had asked God for, he gave me in such abundance. Mm-hmm. Like things that I had prayed for on a very low level, I got, 10 times that and to have almost 20 people kind of run to you for questions about what to do for your product is so surreal Mm -hmm. and I never ever feel like I'm telling people what to do but I do feel like I'm asking my creative partners what is the best way to honor this vision that we agree is worth telling Uh, and so we shot the teaser last April uh, did more auditions, met more really interesting and lovely people who were fully on board to participate in something that was openly diverse and openly committed to being made up of people of color and having people of color work on it and contribute to telling a greater story. Uh, and I was blessed with this amazing cast and again, an amazing crew. And I, I say to them all the time, I'm gonna write thank you in emails a hundred times over because you are more than I prayed for. Mm. And so I think, again, because I put that energy in the universe, Mm -hmm. God said, okay, now she knows where she's going. Yeah. I'm going to help her get there. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. I feel so strongly about just trusting in everything that you want and your path and your journey. Because when you do and you just continue to practice that gratitude, like you're expressing, everything that you want will come to you and it's timing. Oh, I so agree with that. I, I was telling some creative peers yesterday just about uh, starting this journey, 
Uh, and it kind of just boiled down to if you place yourself first, everything else will follow. Um, and as I, I get a little older, I'm 30 now. I turned 30 in, in November, which I was dreading for some reason. Um, but uh, early um, November? Are you Virgo? Late November. Oh, November um, 25th. Sagittarius? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. hmm. Cusp. Huh. Um, but just, I did what I wanted for me. And I think so many of us spend so much time kind of leaving our lives in the hands of others, leaving it in the hands of our employers or the approval of our family members, mm -hmm. uh, that you don't even give yourself time to be a person that you are proud of. Mm -hmm. um, and on the train yesterday, I felt such gratitude because I'd lived 30 years and for the first time in my life, sitting on a really crowded train and just tired and grumpy, I was like overwhelmed that I was, that I was proud of me. Mm -hmm. That was, again, just a, an awkward, surreal moment. And I was messaging my best friend. His name is Anthony. Hi, Anthony. Who's <laughs> <laughs> um, been super supportive. Who's also a person I didn't have in my life when I started this project. Mm. Um, and then he and I reconnected. We got brunch. I told him what I was doing. He said, you're an inspiration. And, you know, I'm so totally supportive. And then just, everyone just came out of nowhere. Just, I support you, you inspire me. I support you, you inspire me. And I'm like, who are they talking about? <laughs> They're not talking about me, because certainly not. Mm -hmm. um, and even just meeting you ladies, oh my goodness. To I met Lisa very briefly mm -hmm. at uh, Body and Pole to see a show of her and Anthony's mutual friend, mm -hmm. Abby. Uh, we spoke, again, very briefly. And so to have you reach out and connect with me, that was a complete shocker. Mm. And I think every time I go forward, I'm going forward with more and more energy and I'm just being rewarded for having that. Uh, and so thank you again for inviting me and having me and, and letting me tell you about uh, this project and what it means to me. Thank you. Yeah. You have no idea, um, like the feeling is, exactly the same and I was really excited when when Alyssa told us about you because um like when, as soon as she was like I think you would really you know like this it's just something you should look into and like immediately watched and it's just like oh yeah yeah we need to get in contact with her so I'm I'm just really excited because we're also just starting up too and like we really want to like build community and you know so like we're Dude. just excited just so excited do it. Community is so important. Um, I think that, um, and not just from being a, a Brooklynite, but from being a New Yorker, yeah. we are people that are very much about our time and our space and where we're going, but New Yorkers are also people that will help complete strangers find their direction if they can't, that will share a really, really tiny, awkward train seat because they're both tired, mm -hmm. that will stand on the same platform walk up the same flight of stairs after their train comes and goes and probably get Chinese food mm. from the same spot and it's weird that this really big bustling city is actually like a really really small island okay. where there are so many again many nuances many subtleties and variations of things but surprisingly more and more and more in common mm. Mm. I'll say New York gets it it's I don't think it's accurate the rep that it gets because a lot of people like I'm from Florida so you know the South's super 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 like friendly <laughs> so to speak but everyone's like 
New York people are mean there and like this is what she said like I've had so many experiences where I've just like seen just humanity in the most like in the greatest forms I mean I've seen some crazy things as well but I've definitely seen like I've seen people (laughs) definitely just you know being accommodating and friendly and you know I've like I'm lost and I'm like people are gonna like ignore me and like I've had people that have like went out of their way to like show me exactly where to go so if you're listening to this and you're scared about New York it's not that bad there's kindness here there's there's a lot so um yeah our next question is so I know that I want to ask you a little bit about Sims 4 um the original how did you go about doing that and um what inspired you to do so this might be a much longer story and i I talk a lot so be prepared hope everyone's comfortable with their tea (laughs) um so i graduated high school in 2006 started pace university that september uh and pace is a good enough school it has its own reputation uh but it was an exceptionally expensive place for my my family um it was a place i went to because i was told i should go um and i attended school there for two years until i was priced out mm-hmm. i did the best i could uh with no money and then i just couldn't go anymore mm-hmm. and so probably by the time i was 19 almost 20 uh i had no job had no means of paying for my education and my cousin's wife at the time worked in a law firm that I I helped in before uh, the summer before I graduated and so they brought me on as a receptionist Um, and I did that for a while but you know when you're just kind of like just living life but not really living like you're just Mm -hmm. going through the days that's what happened and I went home and I guess YouTube is getting really really popular and everyone's using it frequently Videos are getting longer in length. Um, I I was a person that played The Sims a lot, and came across this user named Cat Zombie, who was probably one of the first people at, or first users to ever do this, but used The Sims Two to make full fledged series. Mm. And so I was watching this person subtitle a full story with various characters and frame it and design it in such a way that it was. For viewing pleasure she probably had three or four unique shows that I followed and then I started doing it myself mm-hmm. uh, and I created a, a three season series called The Roommates uh, again about relationships about friendships about interracial love as the main character is a black woman uh, that starts a relationship with an Asian American guy um, and it did pretty okay and I don't know in the days of early YouTube I had over 2,000 subscribers so I guess that was a big thing um and around that time I did the same thing using The Sims 2 uh one more time I sought out voice actors online to record lines for a script that I had titled Learning Leo which was on the bizarre side of my writing um but that's essentially what it is you modify the game and EA Games and uh, Maxis and The Sims creators strongly encourage their users to modify the game and to mm. be as creative with it as possible. And so young animators and 
young artists or young designers who find Photoshop created so much to put into that community for the purpose of major creations, including your own kind of Sims film. Um, I stopped doing that for a while because you grow up and you get a good job or you go back to school or you start a, a long-term relationship and uh, around the time that those things happened for me I, I stopped so Uneducated was brainstormed these characters uh, in 2011 and I never got to visit them or mm-hmm. write their stories uh, so 2016 I hit a wall. It's like I finally graduated school after 10 years of being in and out of it due to finances. Uh, I worked at Brooklyn Public Library, which is where I'll be holding the screening now. Um, But I didn't know where I was going. I was like, I finally had the thing I wanted, which was a degree, and I had no idea what to do with that. Do I just get a job to pay my bills? What what happens? Um, And I got the opportunity to house sit at a really nice apartment in uh, Prospect Heights for uh, my cousin's very good friend Um, and I was there for like 13 days so I just I wrote I was writing the whole time Mm -hmm. I worked part-time at the library so I had enough time went to work for a few hours came back writing and it was kind of like a retreat it was just me her cat was great (laughs) this beautiful apartment with two skylights fully stocked wine fridge. I'm exaggerating. (laughs) Um, dream. uh, They did leave a a bottle of wine for me, though. They're nice. But, like, this space with so much light and so many plants and, you know, a cat. I think cats are essential. Uh, And my thoughts. And I I wrote ten episodes. um, And I was like, well, all right. Well, I, I did a thing that made me happy. What now? Oh, I know what made me happy. Let me try doing this again. So I, I did what I did all those years ago. I mm-hmm. sought out voice actors online. I asked them for their vocal talents. Um, and I played The Sims and modified it heavily uh, to be able to illustrate a story. And then I provided the recordings that I was sent. Mm-hmm. And uh, worked in a program titled Sony Vegas to bring 10 episodes of... I don't know, laughter and love and friendship and things of that sort. And I think because that channel, uh, my YouTube channel, having been deleted a little bit before, uh, I guess, 2012, and then recreating it and it growing twice as much just from that one series, I thought, this formula works. Like, Mm -hmm. people want to see people of color living their lives and living it comfortably and even when I wrote it I was like what matters to me what's important to me what are the things in my own life all right this character has all my circumstances but she's not me because she's way cooler than I am um and why stop there why not just give her a series of things that are just important it's important to tell stories of women and women of color and it's important to tell stories uh, that aren't always the same because there are so many to be told and so she has a queer uh, person that's close to her and not just like close like they're, they're, they're lifelong friends they're childhood friends and that is a young black woman that is in love with a white woman because it is definitely complicated to be Christian and gay and black and also date outside of your race and I wanted to acknowledge that um, and I wanted to acknowledge 
Asian Americans. I have many friends that are Asian American. I went to high school with a number of Asian Americans, and I too enjoy Korean culture and pop media. Um, and they're interesting and attractive people. Why are we always making them type A or submissive, subservient women or nerds who are your doctors or your lawyers or the guy you pick on in school but never a fully-fledged, rounded person with issues? Mm-hmm. And to the best of my ability, with that small medium, I tried to tell these stories. And I think that, that was the only thing it suffered from. It really is a limited medium because it is, in fact, a computer program. And it is again, a game and there are limitations. Um, but now that I'm producing on a higher level, mm-hmm. I get everything I want. I get to create greater symbols. I get to see those things come to life. I, I have so much more to tell people about these people uh, that I don't, though I'm very grateful again to EA Games and Maxis for making such a big universe to enable people. Um, but now that I've moved on to this, uh, I think I'm ready to tell more stories and much larger stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, a personal note for me, I will always tell the story of a marginalized person as a marginalized person, as a person of color. There are enough white stories. <laughs> they don't need my input. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so this next question, I mean, I guess it kind of goes... It's something you've touched on a bit, but so what exactly was the process like for production? Like on your end, I guess, as far as transitioning, what were some things, um, yeah, what were some things that were maybe even difficult for you, if you would say there were any difficulties or any things that were challenging in transitioning it in this way? Um, I had to learn patience. Uh, I'm not even patient with myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe patient with people, but not with myself. And so uh, it took me weeks to find a director, and then it took me almost a month to find a lead actress. Um, because surprisingly, as many young black women that there are in New York especially that are actresses, we don't have the luxury to just take things that we can't be paid for. Mm. We don't always have the time. And so uh, it was an unpaid audition and probably seven women showed up after me looking for a person for maybe almost six weeks. Mm. Um, And I I did subscribe and pay money to use Backstage. And even then when I typed in or did research or filtered for black women of a certain age group, more often than not. They just push women who are very, very fair. And it doesn't discredit their blackness to be fair women, but that also only tends to be, you only see them. It's like the black women that can assimilate to whiteness. And those are what they consider representations of our culture, which is unreal and not fair. Um, And so it just, it took me a while and I, I was frustrated. So I had to teach myself to to kind of just hold off like not everything happens at the same time and not everything will get on the ball when you're ready but when it is time everything goes right productions don't run on schedule uh i've learned from working with mark and our tour that you have to be more of a problem solver than kind of like a nitpicky 
itinerary honorary person mm. because there will always be small fires and big fires that you have to put out. For our last shoot, I met a PA that volunteered. She was a nice, polite young lady that said she was committed and that she'd join us and offered to drive for her to message me maybe in a half hour before we were supposed to start and say, hey, I'm not making it. I'm so sorry. So I had to provide transport for my director, for my lead actress, for an actor that got lost on the train mm. to make it to the point that I was. Mm. Octavia in April would have freaked out and probably lost all of her hair. But by this point, we had maybe done eight or nine shoots. Uh, maybe a little less. Maybe like six or seven, actually. Um, just said, all right, fine, you can't make it. Thanks for letting me know. And just, you know, called multiple Ubers. Mm-hmm. That was it. So learning to be patient, learning to be a better problem solver, um, and kind of not freak out about things. Just accept that things won't go your way all the time. But do what you must do to maintain the vision, um, as that is the most important thing. I hope I answered your question. I feel like yeah, you're quite definitely. <laughs> you definitely did. Um, I think that it's definitely something that, I, as an artist, just patience is so important and I think creating projects does teach you that so much that like it's not a straight line you know but like it's worth it and being patient can make all the difference so I'm really glad that's something that you got from the process because it's a gift patience is a gift I'm still trying to still trying (laughs) What what I've noticed is at least for me just on my journey as an artist, I've noticed that social networks can kind of filtrate like my movement and patience mm-hmm. and just like focus. Because a lot of times you have this idea that you need to be just letting people know this is this is going to happen. Like, but it's like I feel like when it comes to just creating, you need to have that assurance in yourself and not others. I feel like the internet kind of just Makes gets you, yeah. people a little, a little bit more anxious. And I just, I like that you brought up the patience because it's so important as an artist, especially today. Like, good things take time. <laughs> I, I certainly agree. I, I found myself really frustrated uh, in the process because we, our shoots were they were weeks and weeks apart so we did it in April and then we didn't do anything again until like June mm-hmm. and that was one day and then July we did like three days straight and then we mm-hmm. did nothing again until September and then not again until October um, and there were just so many so much lapse in time and so many things going on uh, and I was just like I'm just ready for this to be done like I want people to see it already but I also uh, appreciate that it took that long because I got to make a a bigger plan I got to realize that it's not just enough to produce something and upload it online I've done that before Mm -hmm. and I've done it to such a point that it I've seen its success I should be planning for the next thing I should be learning for the next thing and so I did that I taught myself things I did research on things like crowdfunding and 
uh, I recommend to any young filmmaker to check out Seed and Spark as they are a crowdfunding source specifically for the film niche. Mm -hmm. You're not really competing with other art forms, it's only film. Um, and one of their early points were to teach people who came into film that it's not just enough to fund the production of the thing you're working on. You need to have enough stored away to begin the next thing mm -hmm. because that's how you keep going. You always have enough to start the next thing and you need to make sure you have enough for things like distribution. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, especially as a new filmmaker, uh, there are just a lot of things that I'd have to learn. So though I have the eagerness to learn it, I believe I'm learning everything in the time I need to learn it. Yeah. In April, I didn't know that distribution was something that was very difficult and very costly to do. Mm. At this point, I know that I also have options and maybe it's better to have a free platform first versus paying someone and having it being distributed on a bigger source. Will it make it in competition with, I don't know, other major sources or other professional filmmakers that are using that same resource and submitting to Amazon Studios or just paying money to have it uploaded to Amazon? No, I don't think it will. But I do think as a free product for a first episode, it will get eyes and it will be a good thing. And mm -hmm. Again, uh, the rough year that I've had to take to kind of have that knowledge and be able to make better decisions. Uh, in the moment, you're like, I hate this. I want it to be over. Uh, but at the end, you're like, I'm, I'm glad that I've taken this long. Mm. Well, um... I just want to say thank you so much for... Oh, thank you. Like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm thanking you for both of us. Thank yourself for being who you are. I'm thanking you for inviting me. You guys are phenomenal. I really appreciate the opportunity. So um, our final question for you today is, um, what do you think of when you hear Black Power Punk Girls? When I first saw it, I was like, oh, cool, an alternative site for, like, black women to get together and talk about and meet about things relevant to them and their artistry. And then we spoke. Mm -hmm. I mean, you communicated that. That was just the initiative. Like, that's at a low level what this is about. Uh, and so you're not just about talking about it, but further enabling and help cultivating the development of black art black femininity, whatever that means, whether or not you are queer, straight, a trans person, if you are producing art and you are and you are a woman of color, then it's a it's a community that you're welcome to. And that I was warned by uh, greatly because, you know, there are even nuances and misnomers and subtleties to blackness. Um, and so I I just heard this huge gong that said, join your your sisters and elevating yourselves and I'm definitely the kind of person um, that likes to bring people with her when she goes forward and so I'm looking forward to our future collaborations mm -hmm. and future podcasts and conversations I was actually going to refer you to a really good friend of mine whose work I again I've uh, been invited to guest direct uh, talented playwright and actress who's queens based like you guys uh, and so maybe you guys can you can talk please yes looking forward to that um, but yeah that's what this is all about like thank you for those kind words but it is like just the opportunity to connect and you know like 
we are all creative women and because the spaces aren't necessarily they haven't always been there for us correct so it's just really exciting to be able to connect in that way and create community and create and you know be stories protect our stories you know oh i love that so um we want to open it up for you to do any closing announcements um I know the date is January 27th. Will it be on YouTube that day as well? Um, no. Okay. For right now, I'm still deciding the actual day I will upload. Okay. But the screening premiere event uh, is at Brooklyn Public Library at Grand Army Plaza from noon to 3. Uh, we will be screening the first episode, having a brief panel, followed by Q&A, and then our mixer reception. Uh, I promise it'll be a good time. I'm getting you guys a step and repeat so you can take your glamorous pictures and just like own your blackness. Uh, I encourage everyone to wear their biggest afros, your biggest hairdo, your blackest hairdo, and like be yourself. And your story, whether it's in your hair or in your outfit, is worth telling. Uh, And so again, that's at Brooklyn Public Library on the 27th, Uneducated, the first episode should be uploaded to YouTube by the end of the month. So maybe the Tuesday uh, after, if not the last day of January. Okay. Alrighty, and your social media, um, just your handles and everything. So, ah, Please follow Uneducated at Uneducated Series, one word on Instagram. You can also find it on Facebook, again, at Uneducated Series, and on Twitter at Uneducated TV. So thank you so much for joining us. And and thank you all for listening. And have a great day. Have a good one. Yeah, later.